awesome. We trust him to be there for us. You can go and have a seat. That'd be wonderful. Thank you, guys. Beautiful song that we found when we were thinking about this series that we could sing today just to help us to really grasp this idea that God's in control in the middle of our storms, and we can trust him. We can just really, we can lean into him. And so it's our prayer today that each one of us would come to that uh, understanding that God is trustworthy. Uh, some of us may wonder if he is. Uh, we may not be at that place yet and just know that uh, all of us were there at one point. And so we just invite us all today to listen, to see what God wants to do as he speaks to us. So it's awesome to, you know, just to be here this morning and then to take another step in this series uh, called Hope Again. And today we're going to talk about how we can have hope in those storms that come at us and you know, when we say storms, everybody knows what we mean, right? We're talking about, it's, it's a weather metaphor, but we all get it, right? That things that come at us, those times in life where it feels like that we're being, you know, tossed about and with little or no control over the circumstances that we face, those times when we get smashed by the rogue winds uh, that come and waves of life, and we end up feeling lost and we end up feeling alone and beat up. Those times when our circumstances appear to be more than we can withstand, hold on to. And in the end, we end up being feeling scared, and we end up feeling helpless and lonely. Uh, you guys know what we're talking about when we talk about these events. Many of us have been through those. And I was just thinking about my life, and just want to just share just some of the storms. And, uh, and you might just do this as an exercise. It, it just shows you, for me, it showed me God's faithfulness when I did this and uh, went through this. And some of the storms I faced in my young life um, are, you're supposed to laugh at that part, okay? Uh, so some of the, the that I faced are the loss of a job. I lost my job one time and was on unemployment. Um, that uh, The breakup of relationships, that uh, they can really hurt when you have those relational breakups. Uh, the discovery, one of the storms for me that was huge was the discovery that I had hepatitis C uh, back in 1994, and uh, it was a devastating time for me, just the understanding of that disease, but then I uh, went through treatment, and then treatment again, and oh, those were just so hard, those times uh, that I went through that. Uh, Kimberly and I, as I was thinking about us and our marriage, we've been through the stress and pain of infertility, uh, we've gone through the agonizing uh, feelings of miscarriage, uh, we had a miracle baby, and then had that baby miscarried at 14 weeks, uh, the death of our dads that we've walked through together. Uh, plus, then, we've had all the normal pains and struggles that every marriage and family has. We've been through financial storms. I, I remember back that uh, there was a period where uh, we had our life savings, and at that time, we had put it in the trust of a Christian organization, and uh, we got letters that that Christian organization was going bankrupt uh, because of mismanagement of, uh, in some shady real estate deals, shaky, I'd better say, real estate deals that they had been involved in, and so we lost all of that. Um, we've had car problems. We've had appliance problems, breakdowns. Kimberly came into the kitchen just this Monday, and she looked at me, and she said, God is so good, and we have no hot water. <laughs> so we had the storm this week of a water heater replacement uh, that goes on, and then, oh my word, our country, uh, we've been in this storm now for 
you know, the last 18 months at least, uh, the storm of the election that we've all witnessed and uh, some of us have been very angsty about uh, the president and then also then now the post-election, uh, the storm that seems to be just kind of uh, in a great gaining strength in our country. Uh, I was just thinking about all the storms that I've personally been through and, you know, it's a good exercise, but it can also leave you feeling a little depressed. And uh, until we just stop and think about this idea, and I expressed it in my email blast this week, that you're either in a storm right now, or coming out of a storm, or about to go into a storm. So there you go. Aren't you glad you came today? <laughs> so we all, we all got that figured out, right? It's just the way life is. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to have hope in storms. So if you would, go ahead and grab your message notes. They look like this. Uh, and you'll be able to take notes today. If you have your Bible, open it to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to jump in with verse 35, and we're going to look at a story that happened in the life of Jesus and his disciples. It's recorded in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to look at seven verses today, and we're going to look at how you and I can have hope in our storms as well. So I'm going to begin reading at verse 35. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. You might just underline that, let us go. Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat just as he was. Now, I have no idea why they had to say just as he was uh, at that point, what they were trying to get across. Uh, but what I do love about this story is that when you read the stories in the Bible, this is something for you to just grab hold of. When you read the stories in the Bible, they include a lot of detail. That most, if you look at most literature or history, they don't include the level of detail here. And that's just one of the reasons that you can really, you know, uh, own the veracity of the Bible, that it's true, because there's no reason for them to include this detail if it wasn't true. They're giving you that uh, people could actually talk against the detail that they were given at the time. So it's just giving us detail. And other boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose. Uh, the Sea of Galilee, Kim and I have gotten to be there actually and to be on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Luckily, we didn't have a storm like this that day uh, that we were out in that boat. But uh, this, it's famous for these, uh, the hills that are there and the, uh, the wind that happens, the thermals that happen, and then for these storms that come on. And they can just come without you know, even a warning. And they're very, very, very strong when they happen. A windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So you just got to picture the boat. And it's a wooden boat that would probably hold about 13 to 14 people, uh, maybe 15. And uh, that would be pretty full. And uh, the waves are coming over the sides of the boat. So that the boat was already filling with water. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on the cushion. So you just picture here that this big storm's rocking the boat, but Jesus is in the back of the boat on a pillow, and he's asleep on a cushion. And they, they, they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, I don't think they read it with quite that voice. It was more like, Teacher, 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 Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing here? Don't you care? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace be still. That's very sanitary. Very sanitary, right? Peace be still. But really, if you read the language here, he started with this rebuke. And uh, I love what Tim Keller says. Tim Keller says about this phrase, it's more like Jesus said, shut up. And I'll say it again, shut up. You know, that's kind of the way that he said that Jesus was speaking to the storm at that point. Now, 
I know that when my daughter's here second service, she's going to say, but you've told us all our lives we can't say shut up in our house. <laughs> and Jesus did it. So what am I going to do about that, right? And then he says this. It says, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Circle still. Still no faith. And they were filled with great fear. So there's two fears here, and we're going to talk about them. First, it says afraid. That's cowardice, okay? So that's the fear that they're shaking in their boots. Afraid. And then it says they were filled with great fear. This is awe. And so we're going to end our time today looking at that. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's a great story. Many of you are familiar with the story. And what I'd like to do today is I'd like to you know, pick out some things here that can give us hope. But the first thing I want to do is just share with you three facts about storms. And the first one is this. And we learn from this story that storms are inevitable. Storms are going to happen. If you remember Jesus in John 16, 33, he says, In this world, you will have problems. So he says that it's going to happen uh, and then we look at James 1, the brother of Jesus says, when you face trials, not if by chance you happen to face a trial, he says that they're going to come, very sure, but they're inevitable. We're not sure when they're actually going to come upon us. Now, I just want to speak a minute here and take time in the service right now to talk to a, a couple of groups of us, and now as we're sitting here thinking about the inevitability of storms. There's some who would believe, and you've been taught, that Jesus, because you are a follower of Jesus, if you are, if you're a follower of Jesus, or you're a Christian, you've been taught or you believe that somehow because you're a Christian that Jesus is going to protect you from all the storms of life. Uh, I just look back up at what it says at the very beginning. Go up in your notes, and it says, On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go. Let us go across to the other side. So when Jesus invited his disciples into the boat, and they started across the lake, they were in the center of God's will. Some of us think, if I'm in the center of God's will, storms aren't going to come. And then when storms come, when we're in the center of God's will, we get kind of knocked off kilter a little bit. They were in the center of his will, and yet they were still in the center of the storm. So I just want to say, don't think that just because you're following Jesus or you're in the center of his will that you're not going to experience storms. They're going to come. And also don't think that, this is the other side of that, also don't think that when you're facing a storm that somehow you've missed God's will and he sent this storm to correct you in some way. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, it might be the case, but mostly he just sends storms. He allows storms. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Second, they're unpredictable. They're unpredictable. Now, if I could go back and start my profession all over again without God's call involved, uh, I would be a weather guy. And so, you know, I love I loved the, the thought of being a weather guy and, and, you know, just knowing that I can get up and I can give a forecast and if it doesn't happen the way that I predicted, nobody cares. <laughs> I still get paid a lot of money and so I, I'm famous, I'm up front, but it's, you know, they're unpredictable. We can't control when they're going to come. Our storms are like that. And then I'll just say this, try as we can to prepare for storms and try to even avoid storms. That's what most of us do, trying to avoid storms. Sometimes they're just going to strike when we least expect them. And then number three, they're impartial. They're impartial. Uh, Matthew 5, Jesus is speaking and he says, the Lord causes rain to fall on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So storms come. 
there's, there's no, you know, storms are an equal opportunity of disaster, okay? So they come on all of us. So we can't stop the storm from coming. It's going to come. So the question is, what do we do in the storm uh, when it happens? And so I want to give you two ways that we can face storms, and then we're going to talk about how we can enter into the way that is going to lead us into the most fulfilled life. One way is I can face a storm filled with panic. You might want to write that down just so you can remember. I can face the storm filled with panic. And that's what happened to the disciples who were in the boat uh, with Jesus. They were terrified, and they were crying out to Jesus. You know, And so you know, the storm didn't wake him up, so you know that they had to be pretty vocal uh, and probably shaking him, like, come on, wake up. Come on, wake up, dude. I need you to help at this point. We're going to drown. Now, just know, these guys were experienced fishermen. They'd been doing this all their life. They had been on this lake most of their lives, and they knew how to weather a storm. So what that tells you is this storm was major. It was a perfect storm. It was a big guy. It was huge. These guys are the pros, and the pros panicked in the middle of the storm. So what that tells us is, is that when we face the storms of our life, whether they're the small storms or the big storms, that one of the options for us in that moment is I can be filled with panic because I don't know what to do about that storm. But the second reaction, that's the one we want to lean into today, the second reaction is peace, filled with peace. You can face even the most difficult storms that come in life filled with peace. So that picture of Jesus sleeping in the storm is the picture of what we would want to get to in life when we face our storms as well. We would be that secure, that serene, filled with that kind of shalom as we're there. Um, I had the opportunity a few weeks ago uh, many of you know that a woman named Nicole, Nicole Schur, part of our church family, uh, had brain cancer and uh, was dying, and there was nothing that they could do for her. And so I was able to go to her home, and uh, when actually they would uh, called hospice and said that she should uh, be dead any day. And so when I went into the house... Of course, they had her. She, she was in her, her bedroom in bed, and, and all the shades were drawn. It was dark, and um, her husband, whom I asked if I could share this today, by the way, uh, husband asked me uh, if I wanted to go see her alone. And uh, so I walked into the bedroom, and it was just me and her, and she's laying uh, in the bed, and uh, it's just a very tender, holy moment when these things happen. And, and I asked her, I said, Nicole, is there anything that you want to ask me? Or is there anything you want to say? And she gathered her strength up and she said at that moment, she said, I want you to know, and I want my family to know, that I am at peace. I am at peace with dying. Because I know that I'm going to be with Jesus. And there was just a serenity in that room, a peacefulness that uh, I don't experience many times uh, in the places that I go in life. Because if someone's facing the biggest storm, that person was able to say, she's got a husband, children, she's 37 years old. She was able to say, I have 
peace. Well, her obituary was in the paper a week before last, and in her obituary, this is what it said about her for the entire world to see. Her battle with cancer was fought with much courage, strength, and hope. Her faith in God and her personal relationship with him is what helped her face each day of her battle. She spent her early mornings studying the Bible, reading her daily devotional, memorizing the scripture, and praying. She demanded on this time with God and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've had some, uh, just another gentleman who's also been given the prognosis of death from cancer who read this obituary, and he came to me and he said, I want to know God like Nicole knew God. And I'm just saying today, folks, it's possible for you to live in peace in the biggest of storms, the biggest of storms. And I'm going to talk about how to do that, uh, how we can move from this place of panic to peace today, and we can start the process of us being able to have the kind of faith that Nicole experienced. But first, if you look at the bottom of your notes, Isaiah 43, and so these are God's words, and I just want you to listen to this. God speaks this, okay? Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overcome you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. That's God's promise to you and me. And what he's saying to us is that you never go through a crisis or storm alone. You never go through a crisis or storm alone God says in another place, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will, you will never be separated from my love. So how do we gain that kind of understanding? How does it become more than just head knowledge, more than words that we know? And how does it move into our hearts so that we can actually respond to peace no matter what storm comes to us? Well, on the backside of your notes, I just want to talk about how we can have hope when storms strike using these verses from Mark 4. And the first idea is this, is that I can have hope when I remember God's closeness. When I remember God's closeness. So I'll go back and we'll read some of these verses from Mark 4. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So first of all, we just need to know that when Jesus says, let us, he's, he's in for the ride with them. So right away... There's an example of God being close to us, is that Jesus is with us. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And, and what I want to talk about right here is the, the idea that we know from the Bible, the Bible says, and I'm going to talk about some verses in just a minute, that God is close to us. And we know in Psalm 34 that God is close to the brokenhearted. We know that the Bible says that God is near. And what happens, though, so many times is that when we get into our storms and struggles, we forget that. We forget that he's close. And that's what was happening to the disciples here right now. What's happening is Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is right there. He's as close. They can literally touch him. 
they had seen Jesus perform miracles. If you go and read what it all had happened up until this point in the life of Jesus and his ministry, he had healed blind people. He had turned water into wine. He had healed lame people. He had spoken with authority and people's lives had been changed. Every one of the disciples had heard Jesus speak and they had followed. They'd given up everything to follow him. All this has happened. And that's the guy that's with them in the boat. And they forgot how close he was. They forgot that he was there with them. So I, I don't know about you, but I forget this a lot. So, you know, even when Cam came in and said, you know, we have no hot water today, my first thought, my day is so full. How am I going to do this? That's my first thought. And how are we going to afford this was my second thought. And then, you know, basically, then I was able to stop and to just reflect. I mean, okay, she started with God is so good. <laughs> Oh, and I love that. And so uh, one of the things that I do that helps me with this idea, and uh, you know, you have to practice this because it's in practice, then when you get into the game that you can actually you know, perform. If you don't practice when you get into the game, then your performance is actually lower. And so uh, what, if you guys, anybody, the guys who came to the men's retreat know that uh, Bill, when he spoke, he talked about breath prayers. I've talked about breath prayers before as well. And breath prayers are just prayers you do with breathing, and they're just to remind you in your breathing, you get it into your body, uh, truths and promises of God. So a breath prayer I practice that helps me to uh, understand how close God is so I can, when I'm getting in the game, when the heat's turned up, I can remember. As I do this breath prayer, and it's something like this, have no fear as I breathe in, the Lord is near as I breathe out. Have no fear, the Lord is near. Have no fear, the Lord is near. And you, know, you practice those breath prayers. It actually helps you. The, you know, we all know that breathing helps us when we work on our breathing. can help us to reduce stress, reduce stress and anxiety. But when I add in the component of scripture to that, then it allows me when I get into stressful situations that God then pulls out what I've been experiencing. He pulls out what I've been practicing. And I'm able to use that as well. Let me give you a couple of those if you want to write. You know, Psalm 73, 28. That would be one that you could actually practice on. And then also... Uh, Philippians 4, 5, it talks about the fact that God is near in Philippians 4, 5, just reminders um, that he's near uh, in that place. So Jesus, he knows that his father is near. It wasn't, you know, when he'd probably been doing breath prayers all his life. He had been praying. He had been meditating on the scriptures that, about God, God is near. So he knew that God was near. And he also remembered what God is doing in his life and has been doing. And that God wasn't going to stop what God had started until it was finished. And so at that moment, he could actually rest. So instead of worrying about the storm, he actually was able to fall asleep. Uh, this shows me a couple things about Jesus. One, he was very human. Uh, that he had worked a lot, he had been teaching, and he was exhausted. You know how it is sometimes, and you can be exhausted, and you can fall asleep in the most crazy of places and situations, and that was kind of what was happening with him. And um, so he was also, it shows that he had great faith in God. And so I, I just want to say that, that, you know, just for us, to, we can hear today, is that sleeping can be a great sign of faith and peace, I just don't want you to practice it on Sunday morning is why you're here, okay? <laughs> so heads up there, okay? So on Tuesday evening, as the votes were being tallied, I don't know, what, I remember what time it was, but I, I just finally told Kim, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to bed. I'm just going to bed. Let me know in the morning who won. 
And basically what I was saying is that I trusted that no matter who won the election, that God was still in control and that he would still be working out all things together for the good of those who love him. And I knew I was one of those and that I could trust him. And I just slept through the rest of the evening, uh, no matter what happens, because I knew God was in control. Okay, first, remember God is near uh, and that he's with us. Second, respond to God's care. Respond to God's care. So here is where we get to the honesty, the humanity of the disciples. They woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, I just know that this is the prayer so many of us have prayed. Another version would be, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Because if we can figure, you know, so many of us, we think if we can know why, then after we know why, that we can feel comfortable. And I'm just, you know, personally, and I just encourage people usually not to ask that question, because in most situations, if we knew the, the answer, we still wouldn't like it. We still wouldn't like it. We still want to go further in digging in with him in that way. And so, God, don't you care? Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever felt that? I remember it was about 26, 27 years ago, a book came out that still resonates with me so much uh, by Philip Yancey, and it was called Disappointment with God. What a title, Disappointment with God. Well, in, in that book, he talks about, and he says, disappointment is when what we expected is different than what we are experiencing. What we expected is different than what we are experiencing. And that's what happens to us is that you know, we believe, we have you know, some faith, we, we, we hear teachers, and especially in our prosperity gospel culture and the church, we hear all these promises, and then we look at our lives and it's not happening. And so, we're, we, like I said earlier, we either think something's wrong with us or we think something's wrong with God. And so what we end up, this thing is like, what I'm expecting is not what I am getting what I'm experiencing. And so uh, it leads us to a place of despair. And so I, I love the fact, and we're going to talk about this in just a second, the disciples felt free to say this. And, and so that's really cool. So here I'm going to give you a, a definition of, of storm based on what we just talked about, okay? You want to write this down. A storm is anything that causes me to question whether God cares, it's anything that causes me to question whether God cares. So if you really want to know what storms are, it's just anything that comes into my life that makes me question whether God cares. And so I'll just come back to this and say now, it's not wrong to tell God what you feel. So if you're feeling that God doesn't care, or you're feeling that God hasn't come through with some promise or some expectation... Uh, that you had about him and how he would work, and it's not your experience isn't lining up with what you expected, then I just say, do like Jesus' disciples did. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. There is beauty when we and our brokenness cry out to God and ask him, are you there? Do you care. And so what I believe that happened as they were able to pray that prayer, it allowed them to get into a place where they saw the condition of their own hearts before God. It's okay. And it's even good to cry out to Jesus, don't you care? I'll say it because God can handle our honesty. He can handle that. And we can benefit as long as we don't get stuck 
some of you know people, and some of you may be stuck here right now, and I want to be tender about this, is that we get stuck in the why, God, don't you care, and we, you know, we clam up, and we wall up, and we just don't even listen to him anymore because he didn't fulfill an expectation that we had as we thought he should. The storms you face may be just the tool in your life, just the uh, mechanism, just the opportunity in your life that causes you to come and get honest with God, possibly for the first time, as you're honest with him. And what we have to do is we have to learn then to know that he cares. See, they could ask this question because they knew he cared, okay? It wasn't like, we don't think you care. It was like, we know you care, and why aren't you doing something? They were desperate. They were so scared. Now, look at this verse from Psalm 112. It says, they do not fear bad news, talking about those who love Jesus or love God. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They do not fear bad news. And it sure seems like we get a lot of bad news right now, doesn't it? We just can't get away from it. Especially now that some of us are glued to Facebook or Twitter, 24-hour news, and we just keep getting bad news. And so uh, this verse from Psalm 112 says that the person of faith does not sit there quaking when they hear bad news or calling their friends or making Facebook posts that are totally out of, you know, just crazy about the bad news that they're, you know, that they're actually reading at that moment. And so instead of waiting for the other shoe to drop, what I would suggest we do instead is that we just settle in our mind that God cares and he's going to take care of me. So remind yourself over and over, God's close and God cares. And then number three, last thing is this, relax in God's control. Relax in God's control. Now, if you remember back two weeks ago when I spoke on Jeremiah 20 and 11, relax was a key part of that one as well. You go back to the last series and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Relax was a lot in that fruit of the Spirit too. So what we really learn is, is that when I'm trusting God, I can actually relax. Now, this is deeper faith than just believing that God's in control. Uh, we defined hope on our first week two weeks ago as hope as being a confident trust. So it's confidence, and then trust means it's action. Confident trust that God is in charge. Look what it says in Mark 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, shut up, <laughs> and shut up again. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, you know, we can't even picture this. But what happened at this point is that you have this, you know, wind, and you have these waves that are so large. And when Jesus spoke, immediately the waves stopped. But not only did the waves, the wind stop, but not only did the, the waves stop, but the sea, the lake, went to glass. And you guys know that just doesn't happen in nature unless the one who created everything is doing it, Right? And that's what happened at this point. The one who created everything was doing this. And so what he was doing is he was pointing out by his actions here for his disciples and then for you and me as we look into this story from the outside is that he's in control and we can trust him. And what we would want to do because he's in control, even though we, we have responsibilities, they were bailing the water out. But what we can realize when he's in control that I can trust him and I don't have to be freaking out and panic on the inside because I trust him. See, fear looks at the storm and faith looks at the Savior. It looks at the one who's in charge. 
and he's calling us to faith here. So I, I just want to uh, address one more concern here before we move into uh, another tender moment that we're going to do in our service today. What do we do when God doesn't respond to our prayers and calm the storm? Because I don't know about you, but I've been in storms, and I've prayed for God to work, and he didn't. What do we do then? Well, what I would say is, and what I've learned, uh, this, is, this takes practice, this is exercise, uh, is what I've learned is that we can still have peace, and that's what we're moving to, we can still have peace even though God continues to let the storm rage. And that's what Nicole taught us. Nicole taught us that we can have peace even though the storm is raging and we are not getting what we wanted from God. That's trust. That's confidence. Confidence that God has a plan, even if the storm is still raging. He has a purpose, even though I can't see how anything good can come from this, or even I'm going to be able to survive this. I have to remember that God will fulfill his plan. God will fulfill his plan. I trust that. I believe that. And even when we shout out in our pain in the middle of it, And we're wondering where God is. We're wondering if he cares. Even if he's silent in the middle of our pain, we can still have peace because we have established Jesus Christ as the anchor for our souls. He is the one who will anchor us. Look at this verse from Hebrews 6, 19. This is our theme verse for this series. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm. Underline that, firm, and then secure. Underline that as well. So our hope... And uh, if you read more of Hebrews 6, you learn that our hope is based on the promise that God made Abraham. And then as Jesus came, Jesus fulfilled the promise made to Abraham. And now because Jesus is now into the, uh, beyond the curtain, beyond the veil, that our anchor is actually hooked into Jesus beyond the veil. And because my anchor is hooked there, he's, my, he's the one that's going to hold me. He's the one that's going to keep me strong in my difficulties and my storm. And that anchor is firm. That's the first thing. It's firm. That means it's solid, it's strong, it's stable, it's unchanging. Then it says it's secure. That means it's trustworthy and reliable. And I can build my life, I can bet my life on the fact that he will hold me. It's a certain hope that will hold me steady as I go through the storms of my life. And it's based on what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. And it holds us no matter what we face. No matter how chaotic our world gets, folks, you need to hear me. No matter how chaotic our world gets, no matter how crazy the circumstances may appear in our individual lives, no matter who disappoints you, no matter who betrays you or leaves you, no matter what the economy does, no matter how disappointing the 49ers may be, This is one thing in life that you can count on all day and all night and through the deepest, deepest of storms. And that is when you are in right relationship with God and you've placed your faith in him, he's your anchor and that anchor is going to hold no matter what. So I just want to summarize the message in one sentence. Write it down at the bottom of your notes if you would. One sentence. Write this down. We fear too much because we trust God too little. We fear too much because we trust God too little. 
And the invitation of this story is to trust your storms to Jesus, to trust in him. So when you're in a storm, remember that Jesus is with you, that God is close. When you're in the storm, remember his unfailing love for you, that he cares, that he's there. When you're in the storm, remember, remember, remember that he is your anchor. He is your anchor. Now, the way the story ended is that the disciples, Jesus said, do you still have no faith? And then they looked and they saw that the words of Jesus had called the lake to go calm and still. And they moved from cowardice to awe. They moved from panic to peace. They moved from focus on themselves to focus on Jesus. They moved in that moment at that place. And what I want to suggest to us is that when they said, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him, that they went into a moment of worship, worship of Jesus for what he had done. And right now we're going to have a moment and this is going to be an awesome moment for you to worship and to be able to connect with Jesus because he want you to know that even in the storms, that it is well. Let's listen to this.
That's the faith we're talking about, is to come to the place in the middle of your storm, in the middle, where you can say, it is well with my soul, because I worship and love the maker of the heaven seas. He's still in charge. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this amazing account of the life of Jesus and what we can learn from it, each one of us. Lord, I know that in the room that there are people that are in the middle of tragedy, grief, loss, difficulty beyond even my imagination. And I just pray right now, Jesus, I pray your sense of care would come over them, just a sense that they're not alone, just even being in this room and just knowing that everybody in this room has been through challenges and been through storms. And this is why we're here, is that we're here to give to each other the spirit, Jesus, that's in us, to give hope. And so I pray that they would receive today a hope, that they could be at a place of peace. Lord, I just pray now for those who have been through difficulty and storms and struggles that you would help us, Jesus, today to be Christ's ambassadors to our world. 
is that we would be people uh, that believe that we can influence culture by the belief we have in a God who has a plan and he's in charge and he's in control and we have nothing to fear. I pray that you would help us to rely on you. Lord, I also pray now that you would help us that we know people who are struggling, who have, uh, are in a storm right now and help us to learn to be empathetic as we talked about last week and to be able to listen and to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, the voice of Jesus, the presence of Jesus because we bring him. I just thank you so much for what you've done in my heart in this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.